Sage is, was mad at me. Oh, yeah. The, because. Okay. Because. In episode 14, uh-huh. talked about Asima Chatterjee. Yeah. Dr. Asima Chatterjee. I'll give her yeah. the title mm-hmm. that she earned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as we learned <laughs> um, in a deleted scene. Oh, yes. Deleted <laughs> scenes. There's so, so many of them. <laughs> I had... I made a joke about my friend Sage having epilepsy, uh-huh. and then I was afraid that it, maybe I shouldn't announce <laughs> that to the world, and I went home and asked Sage, hey, is it okay that people know that you get seizures? Uh-huh. Is, is it okay that people know that you could die? Uh-huh. <laughs> he was like, yeah, but then I didn't pass that knowledge on, Oh, and so Danny... Cut it out, thinking she was doing something nice. Exactly. But now Sage is mad because he doesn't have any airtime. Fucking Sage. And he's a classic narcissist. <laughs> classic. <laughs> Fucking Sage. And so I just, I needed to tell people that Sage seizes. <laughs> so Sage the Caesar. <laughs> Actually, his middle name is Roman. Nah. It's not. Oh. <laughs> That's what we call- no, that's what we call him, though. Sage Roman. Sage Roman Krenning. It's a strong name, and his parents it missed. It is. His parents missed out. They mm-hmm. named him what Lawrence. What is his middle name? Lawrence? Yeah. Oh, Sage. <laughs> that's cute. I'm going to call him Larry. I'm also sharing a lot about Larry. him. And now I'm afraid. <laughs> oh, no. Fucking Sage wants airtime. He's getting airtime. His social security number is... <laughs> Oh, God. I don't know it, so. That's great. Oh, hello. Oh, hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, this we're is, here. This is that Broad's Got Moxie. It sure is. We're here. We are. We went shopping this morning for some plants. Yep. And uh, we bought, I bought pineapple sage. Oh. Uh-huh. And just, uh, just, just putting that out sage. there. <laughs> we're on a sage run. <laughs> we are. We are. Me and Danny were talking about it because I was looking and I was like, I'm not getting Sage because Sage is going to think it's for him. <laughs> but then there was the one called Common Sage. <laughs> Basic bitch Sage. <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> but then I didn't get it because I don't need Sage. No. I'm not going to cook with that. No. You only ever use it for turkey. And I don't eat turkey. That's true. Anyway, uh, I'm Cassie. I'm Kiana. Well, uh, yeah. We're here. <laughs> We're doing it. It's been a while since we recorded. It's been weeks. Like a month. Yeah. Yeah. Because we were gone, and then we got back, and we were tired. Yeah. And now we're now we're here. Now we're here. And you're going to be listening to this. What, what day will this come out? May? Who knows? May something. 22nd. May 22nd. Solid. Yeah, we're a little closer to the space time. Hopping and jumping that yes. we do. Yeah, we're getting there. Yeah. We're we're not we're no longer a month in ahead. Yeah. Coming up, Memorial Day weekend. Long weekend. Yeah. My mom is gonna be here. Oh yeah. My mom gets here uh her and Nancy, her her bestie, get here the twenty fifth, so whatever that Saturday is. And then... I think the 25th is Saturday. Yeah. Oh. Okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, they get here the 25th. Oh. Well, then why did you say 
whatever that Saturday. Because I wasn't sure. I was pretty sure, but I wasn't 100% <laughs> okay. positive. Well, then why did you why did you come at me so hard then? Oh, my gosh. You, you know. Everybody get off my back. <laughs> anyway, she gets her and Nancy get here the 25th. They're going to hang out. We're going to go to the beach in Seattle. Oh, nice. All in one weekend, which should be exciting. Uh, but, yeah, she's coming out to help celebrate our, like, our wedding. Yeah. And, yeah. I'm going to meet her. You are going to meet her. And we're all going to meet Nancy, which will oh. be hilarious. Because her and my mom, when they're together, are quite a hoot. I've I've been, like, in phone conversations with them when they're in the car together. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. <laughs> <laughs> they go antique shopping and what are the... They, they belch. Refer- they belch. <laughs> they buy a lot of really cute, like, refurbished things. It's very trendy now, so. They're on trend. They are on this trend. This just in. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> <laughs> so there's that. I feel like I don't know what I'm doing because we haven't know, done this been... in so long. <laughs> we were really getting it because we were. Yeah, we were hitting it hard. Because we, we had to have that backlog while mm-hmm. you were gone. Mm-hmm. How was your wedding? Nobody knows. Nobody knows. It was oh, perfect. Okay. It was like <laughs> literally now that we're actually here. Yeah. And we're again jumping around in this time space continuum. Mm-hmm. We're actually back. Mm-hmm. And not just saying we're back. <laughs> we're actually back. We're actually married. Everything. They have rings. We have rings. Jen made me beautiful flowers. Kiana let me take half of her wardrobe with us. Everything was perfect. So I gave <laughs> I gave Cassie a lot of my clothes mm-hmm. and was like, oh, I have all this room for new clothes. <laughs> That's right. Because you went <laughs> shopping for your birthday. Yeah. Somebody, my cousin takes me birthday shopping and it's essentially like we go into a store and she says, pick what you want. And then I grab it. And Forever 21 having a sale oh. and so i got this cheetah print jumpsuit this that i'm currently wearing sassy leopard print yes six dollars <gasps> oh my goodness yeah and i went and i had bought too much clothes that couldn't fit in my closet mm-hmm. so i went through and took out a bunch of stuff and got it perfect and then realized cassie's, cassie's gonna still- <laughs> come back with two grocery bags i full have, of stuff to return i do have a problem i will say that and that problem is I'm too goddamn fierce. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's the best problem to have. Yeah. And now I have this, I wore this cheetah print jumpsuit to a garden, like, <laughs> yeah, she did sale. And I felt very out of place. Yeah, but it was all green and kind of jungly. You know? Also, oh. you were easy to identify. Yeah. When I, I got lost behind some people. I did <laughs> like all right scanning scanning ah there's the leopard <laughs> follow her mm. yeah. it's beautiful against all the green the green foliage should have taken pictures too bad that's true and i just remembered this what's up so in past podcasts i have said that i wear dresses all the time mm-hmm. and tyler came up to me at work and i was like listen i have two people came up to me pretty mad within the same week <laughs> sage was like you said I would have airtime. And then I took that right away from him. And then Tyler was like, you say you wear dresses all the time, but I know you rock a jumpsuit. And those are pants. Oh, yeah. And I was like, you got me. You got me. And so I felt the need to publicly correct myself. Solid. In a jumpsuit. In a jumpsuit. Yeah. Which maybe Tyler will see me in one day. 
He will. He's had a bone to pick with me because I haven't worn a jumpsuit in a while. It's okay. You also have rompers, of which I am wearing one right now. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. Danny, where's where's your one? Where's your onesie? (laughs) Danny doesn't have onesie, right? (laughs) (laughs) We should get her a onesie. Danny's in a t-shirt and jeans. We almost. We just sew them together. She's got pajama onesies. Oh. Yeah. What does it look like? She's got two of them. She, one's blue and fleece and has penguins on it. The other one's Yoda. Ooh. Which is real cute. It's about 90 degrees out. Wanna... <laughs> That's all. It's you want to go ahead and throw on that probably fleece? <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, I will. And then we'll take a picture and post it. Okay. okay. Perfect. So, Watch for it on Insta. With your a super summary and Danny just in her little Yoda onesie. <laughs> it will. It'd be really cute. Okay. okay, so now you, now me. Let's get to these broads that got moxie because yeah. that's what this podcast is. Yeah, let's do it. I did my notes a little bit different. So in the past, I've been writing them almost like an essay. Mm-hmm. This time, I was like, I feel, I feel kind of like robotic, just yeah. pre- reading this like my book report. Mm-hmm. So I did bullet points this time. So we're gonna fucking try this out and see what happens. <laughs> okay, so. <clears throat> <laughs> Come on! <coughs> I'm sick of this. I'm gonna walk out. <laughs> oh my god, I can't with you. <clears throat> okay. So, the person that I'm talking about today, Danny actually found an Atlas Obscura, at, oh, which I love. Very what a good. great yeah. website! Article about con artists. Brilliant. Yeah. So I'm ready for this. Oh, and it's a fucking wild ride. Who is she? Okay. Who is she? So this woman's name is Teresa Hum it's spelt Humbert. Mm-hmm. It's probably Umbert because it's, she's French. Oh. But for the story, I'm gonna call her Teresa. Okay. So Teresa Humbert. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to call it Teresa. <laughs> Immediately does it. Yes. Immediately. <laughs> full name. Okay. She was born in 1856. 18... Did I just say 156? Yeah. <sighs> she was born in the future. 1856. 1856. Mm. To a peasant family called the Aroniacs. I think is how you pronounce that. What Aroniacs. does that mean? I don't know. It's French. Oh. Anyway. She's born to a peasant family in Toulouse, France. Before we get into Teresa, we need to know where she came from. A.K.A. her kooky dad. So her father was a widower. Her mother died, I think, in childbirth. Or maybe right after. He was a father of four. So there's Teresa, Romaine, uh, like the lettuce. <laughs> Roman, it's Roman. <laughs> Arugula. <laughs> and kale. Oh, gosh. All right. You know what? I'm clearly, I need to make this bigger so that I can read. She, also, my typing she, clearly is not good. Just so the listeners know. She usually has a piece of paper in front of her mm-hmm, also. Mm-hmm. But today she has a phone. My little tiny, teeny tiny words. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this. Okay. Father of four. Teresa. 
Roman. <laughs> Roman is the next one. Emile and Marie. Okay. The bigots. Hurry up. Uh, <laughs> Excuse me? <laughs> okay. He was also a... We're just going to breeze past that? What do you mean? It, it's from Beauty and the Beast. Marie, oh. the bigots. Hurry up. I'm sorry. All right. We say it all the time in our house. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Yes, where was I? A drunkard and an eccentric man. Mm. He practiced alchemy. Duh. Um, <laughs> and doesn't? apparently, according to neighbors, they would often spot him running around outside during thunderstorms, waving a wand, claiming that he controlled the weather. Okay, Thor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so... He also would, like, tell these grand stories about his noble ancestry and uh, hidden family treasures. So, prior to, you know, prior to 1856, the history, I'm just going to drop a history note here, the Franco-Prussian War had happened and had impoverished a, a ton of aristocratic families in France and because of that, people were like, well, I mean, it's possible. Yeah. Anyway, people believed him. He claimed that, that he, so he had this old chest that was all fancy and all locked up. And he claimed that it held proof of his background and, you know, had deeds and had proof of all of this wealth that he had. Yeah. But when he died and they opened it to be like, ooh, what's he got in here? There was a brick. <laughs> I was hoping it was going to be something wild. Nope. And, well, no, a brick is wild. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I was hoping it was his wand. <laughs> <laughs> Who put this dick in the box? <laughs> Not that kind of wand. <laughs> it's his magic stick. Okay. Enough of that. Stop. <laughs> I'm sorry. Okay. So after her father's death, Teresa took a job as a laundry maid for the mayor of Toulouse. Okay. The mayor's son, and maybe her cousin, I read a couple different things that were like, well, they were like first or second cousins, but then it was like, well, why was there, he's the mayor, mm-hmm. so why is there not like, like some, not necessarily some shared wealth, but you think there would, yeah. anyway. Familial. Familial something ties. Yeah. So, in one thing, I read that they were cousins, and another thing, they were just like, separate families. Anyway, the mayor's son, Frederick, was very soon, like, swooning over her. Okay. She was... She wasn't particularly beautiful or anything like that. <laughs> but she made up really, really grand stories. Much like her father, she told this crazy story of being from a noble French family. Yeah. And then just kind of ran with it. So she told... The Umbers, okay. which is who this family was, oh. told them and all of their friends about this beautiful estate called the Chateau de Marcotte in the Tarn. I don't know what in the Tarn is, <laughs> but I imagine it's a region in France. Yeah. That's probably a softer T, too, if it's French. <laughs> M-A-R-C-O-T-T-E. Marcotte. Marco, Marco. You know what? Marco. I know you, that's 
also just a speculation. That is... But I meant the softer T in the tarn. Oh. Really? I don't know. It comes at the beginning of... I don't mean, speak French. Neither do I, but you don't say touche without the T. It's not ouche. Yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say it. Yeah, it is. Oh, Jesus. Ouche. Every, every <laughs> French word you say with the T, you can't say the T at the beginning. Okay. I suppose that should be How? pretty easy for <laughs> yeah. someone who doesn't speak fucking French. <laughs> Look, we need to keep going. Okay. Okay. Where was I? So, the the chateau in the Tarn. The imaginary owner of the estate, a wealthy old spinster named Mademoiselle de Marcotte. (laughs) It's not not a pause and then a T. (laughs) Oh, that's not what the O means? All right. It's It's a... Marco. Yeah. Marco. Okay. You know what? We're moving on. Anyway, so this wealthy old spinster supposedly had made a will, leaving the chateau and her entire fortune to Teresa. Oh, damn. And everyone, I put it all caps, everyone believed her. (laughs) Oh. I also just believed the statement, too. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So everybody believed her. No one questioned this. They were just like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So Frederick, after hearing this story, he's swooning over her. He's completely in love. They eloped to Paris. Yeah. So then the two got married. Frederick worked as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And they led a very quiet, nondescript life in Paris for several years. So every once in a while, Frederick would ask about this impending fortune and, like, when it was going to happen. But she always evaded questions and, like, gave these big elaborate excuses about why it hadn't happened yet, etc. Yeah. So then she real casually told the entire neighborhood and all the local shopkeepers about this big impending fortune, about her, um, quote, great expectations. And all of these stories gave them credit with all these stores and local shopkeepers and so they were living high on the hog and like doing real nice Mm -hmm. because they were like oh you're gonna have money real soon here you can just buy everything on credit i'll tell you what people in the past are really stupid oh boy oh you don't even know i do know they didn't even invent the internet (laughs) (laughs) that's how stupid they were they didn't even know what a computer was Ugh, gosh plebs or a bath yeah. Mm-mm. Gotta have those. I don't even have one of those. Did you? This is, sorry. This is just a fun fact. Tell me. When the European settlers landed in Southern America, Mexico. Okay. I forget which indigenous tribe specifically, but they were darker skinned people. Mm-hmm. And the Europeans thought it was because they bathed, bathed so much mm-hmm. that they washed out what made them white in their skin. Oh, no. And we're like, these just, they're just constantly bathing. It's disgusting. <laughs> it's like, okay, how's that black plague? Oh. Europe. <laughs> Europe, you filthy animals. Oh, with the rats in the water. Disgusting. Ugh. Ew. There was a point where we were walking through London, and it was a, like an old cobblestone road, and Danny was like, can you imagine 
what it was like here 150 years ago. Mm. It's like, no, there was trash and shit literally, <laughs> like, right where we're walking, probably. Right. I'm <laughs> like, ooh, <laughs> take your shoes off when we get inside. There's, there's stories of people walking out of London mm-hmm. like back in the day mm-hmm. and then blowing their nose and their nose being full of, like, black from all the smoke and Ew. industrial stuff. It's a clean, beautiful place now. Yeah. Anyway. Where was I? Okay. She told all of this crazy story to the entire neighborhood, and eventually the shopkeepers and creditors became suspicious. One was like, you know, I'm going to go on holiday, and he went to the Tarn, and he, asking around, finds out there's no such estate, Uh there's no chateau, no wealthy spinster, spinster, nothing. Yikes. Yeah. So he's pissed. He comes home, tells everybody about it, mm-hmm. and then everybody's pissed off. They are, you know, there's whisperings of, like, we need to we need to get our money back, but also we should probably try to put criminal charges on these people because yeah. they're Fraud. fucking liars. Yeah. So Teresa admitted to Frederick that she had fabricated the whole story. She came completely clean. But his paycheck couldn't afford to pay everyone back. Yeah. So he was like, shit, shit, shit. What am I going to do? So he goes to his dad, who is the minister of justice. So he has gone from mayor to now minister of justice. Not sure what that is, but it's pretty high standing. Uh, Minister of justice. Isn't that just a judge? I think so. I think he's a high up judge. So goes to his dad, the minister of justice, for help. And so wanting to avoid his son and daughter-in-law being prosecuted for fraud and wanting to avoid an embarrassing scandal, his father real, you know, real quietly, you know, hush-hush-like, paid off all their debts. So, clean slate. They didn't have to pay anything back. Dad took care of everything. So that's all taken care of. So you'd think this incident (laughs) would teach somebody a lesson about not bullshitting people and taking all their money, Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. It just was like, oh, well, I better do better next time. Yeah. Like the banks did in 08. (laughs) (laughs) True story. So it taught her to lie better Mm -hmm. uh, for longer and with much higher stakes. Mm. Oh, yeah. Okay. So. We got a Here we go. Here we go. In early 1881, there suddenly was a rumor floating around Paris of an unbelievably lucky lady. Okay. Here's the remarkable tale. Teresa was traveling on a train and heard a passenger in an, in- an adjoining compartment moaning in pain. Mm-hmm. She Her little ears perk up and she go, oh. Hark, what is that? I should go help that person. Like fucking Superman. Mm -hmm. Uh, So she goes in to investigate and finds this American man having a heart attack. Mm. Like we do. Right? Real casually stumbles upon this. So she whips out her handy dandy smelling salts that, Mm -hmm. I don't know, everybody just walked around with in the late 1800s. They probably needed it. Probably. It was so goddamn dirty. (laughs) She cracks that open. You know, wafts it in front of his nose. He calms down. She makes him comfortable. And, you know, he was 
finally starting to kind of recover a little bit. So he gets her name and address and he thanked her profusely and claimed that he'd never forget her kindness Mm -hmm. and then gets off the train at the next stop. Wow. What a strange, what a strange thing to happen. Now I have to read this little blurb from the article that I was reading because it's just more succinct of what I was trying to say. Okay. So this gentleman was a Chicago resident named Robert Henry Crawford. After they parted at the train station, Teresa forgot about the whole incident until two years later when she received a letter from a New York law firm informing her that Mr. Crawford had died and left her four million pounds. So this random stranger that she wafted some smelling salts for Mm -hmm. suddenly two years later is like, oh... He died and he left you this humongous fortune. Yeah. I don't know if you know, four million pounds today is a lot. Yeah. (laughs) Four million pounds in 1881 is fucking bananas. Yeah. So, let's see. She even had, apparently, she had Crawford's death certificate and a copy of his will to prove it. Although nobody ever saw it. Of course not. She kept it in a chest with a brick. Mm Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, according to a later document that was supposedly sent after this first letter, mm-hmm. Crawford's fortune was to be divided between Teresa's younger sister, Marie, and the dead man's nephews. So, it's supposed to be divided amongst the four of them. Teresa, yeah. her younger sister, Marie, and then Marie is supposed to marry one of this dead guy's nephews. Yeah. Which, <laughs> hysterically enough, one was named Robert and one was named Henry. Oh. Mm, real cre- casually. Creative. Super creative. <laughs> <laughs> these three these three other people okay. were supposed to pay Teresa 14,000 pounds a year. Okay. The American... All these... The American lawyers who wrote... This is so confusing. Hold on. These lawyers, mm-hmm. right? Write this letter. She gets another letter. It says all these, all you know, this is what has to happen, and then you're going to get the money. So it says that the money is supposed to remain in the Crawford family. Okay. But then that's why there needs to be a marriage. Okay. So Teresa was to keep the four million pounds in a safe. Okay. And then, when her sister Marie came of age, she would marry one of the nephews, and then they could divide everything. Okay. Okay. That's that part. Okay. Boy, it is so much easier when I have a piece of paper in my hand. (laughs) But, because I did this all last night, I didn't have time to print it. Okay. So, where are we? She is this, apparently... She has this four million pounds mm-hmm. hidden in a safe mm-hmm. that can only come out after her sister turns 21 and she gets married to one of these nephews, okay. quote unquote, air quotes. Despite all of the bullshit mm-hmm. that she had pulled earlier in making up this huge lie about this, you know, chateau and the old rich spinster. Yeah. Everyone believed her again. Including her husband? Including her husband. Chump. <laughs> they dumb. 
They dumb. real dumb. They, they silly folks. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And because Teresa's father-in-law, the minister of justice, mm-hmm. who's supposed to be all-knowing and be able to spot a liar, he was like, "Ugh, wow. You're, I can't, you're so lucky. <laughs> what, what a story. That's incredible. So, since he believed her, everyone else was like, well, this guy fucking yeah. believes her. She must be telling the truth. Yeah. Spoiler alert. She lied. She's a fucking liar. <laughs> Almost instantly, Teresa became the most famous woman in Paris. She rented a grand mansion in the heart of Paris. She bought a beautifully lavish country home. Oh, hello. Oh, yeah. She filled her closets with luxurious dresses, shoes, hats piled with feathers, and, like, incredible amounts of jewelry, all on credit. Rough. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For those people. And the birds. And the birds. <laughs> Just being plucked left and right. She threw extravagant parties and held the most exclusive salons. Uh, France's most, most wealthy businessmen and financiers were basically throwing money at her. They expected to lend her all this money, and then when she, like, got to open her magic safe, they'd be like, oh, she's going to pay us back with, like, some real nice hefty interest rates. So it'll, it's fine. Everything is cool. Yeah. At one point, a reporter from her hometown that remembered her, like, cuckoo bananas dad yeah. wrote an article about her and raised a bunch of doubts and so she was like oh no i'm doubling down on this shit and created just lies on top of lies to back up this story about like oh well now we have to now we have to go to court and do this because yeah. these people are coming after the money just like uh, I tried to read everything, and I was like, my brain is spinning in circles. Yeah. Because she's literally just lies on top of lies. <sighs> it's a thing. So all the while, all while this is happening, and her sisters is living this incredibly lavish, over-the-top lifestyle, Marie mm-hmm. graduated from school and was, like, just anxiously awaiting her betrothed, yeah, this like handsome, young, charming American man that she's like, oh, I'm gonna marry him, and then we're gonna be super rich, Ooh. and ev- all of my dreams are gonna come true. I was kind of hoping she'd be in on it. She had no idea, no idea. Did she know her dad? She knew her. Yes, she did. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anybody who knew that family should have been like. That's a little fishy. I feel like after she found the brick, she should have had trust issues. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then some. No, so she is just, like, waiting patiently to go marry this, her fucking Prince Charming. Mm -hmm. No dice. Sorry. So all was going well until one of her creditors, um, a banker named Delatte, began to grow impatient. I know, Delatte. What Del- do you want to drink? Delatte. Delatte. I'll take the mocha. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're so cute. I love you have, having you as the peanut gallery. 
So this banker begins to grow impatient. The longer he waited, the more he felt something uh, not not was quite amiss. right. Yes. There were some ne'er-do-wells Ooh. doing something. We love a ne'er-do-well. So one day he like real casually asked with like innocent curiosity, oh, where does this Henry Crawford live? Mm-hmm. Who's, you know, supposedly one of the nephews. And her answer was a place called Somerville, mm-hmm. which is this super bougie like suburb of Boston. Okay. Delatte goes, hmm, okay, I'm going to go do some investigating. So he gets on the first boat to America. He goes to Boston. Took him half a year. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. He was not on the Titanic. Good thing. Good thing. It's true. Well, he can't. We'll get there. He goes to Boston, finds no one with that name anywhere in the surrounding area. Mm -hmm. So then he hires a bunch of private detectives. Then these private detectives come up completely empty handed. They're Mm -hmm. like, there is no wealthy, you know, 30-year-old Henry Crawford anywhere in the United States. So he wrote an angry letter to a friend in Paris mm-hmm. and claimed that he would he was going to expose the entire scandal when he got back to Paris. Mm-hmm. But Rip. <laughs> before he could sail from New York, he was found dead in the East River. Oh. Oh. Indeed. Not even, like, a the boat sank. No. He was just murdered? He... That is up for debate. So, was, like, was it an accident somehow? Uh-huh. Was it a suicide? Or was it murder for hire that somebody found someone and then went, hey, there's a guy fucking snooping around. Mm-hmm. Take care of business. Right. But it would take mm. years to yeah. get... To France and back to hire a hitman to... Yeah. My man was just a victim of casual crime. <laughs> Probably. That's what I say. <laughs> Probably. It was a real, like, co-winky-dink, though. Yeah. I mean, how high were crime rates in Boston in the 1800s? The most. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not... Maybe it's surprising he lasted that long. <laughs> It's a true story. This is a sketchy place to be. Mm. Sketchy place. Most so anyway, major cities. Yeah. Not not to sh- shit on Boston. Sorry, Boston. <laughs> but just every major city. I'm surprised he lived in France. Yeah. 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 So no one ever found out. He's cold case. Nobody ever found out like what happened to him. He's yeah. just died. He did. He's dead. And didn't make it back to France. Okay. So Teresa's creditors were becoming more and more nervous about their money. What was taking so long? Why had Marie married the American man and finally opened the safe? Mm -hmm. So in an effort to remove herself from that swindle, Mm -hmm. she concocted a new plan to get more money from the public that she could use to pay off the old creditors. She went from... Just being an heiress Mm -hmm. to being essentially an investment banker. Okay. So Teresa opened a suite of impressively luxurious office buildings, told everyone that it was an insurance company, and promised to provide annuities. Okay. (laughs) Most of which I don't understand, but people are giving the 
literally just handing over yeah. everything to her. They're like, protect my life, take care of this, invest it, make me some more money. Mm-hmm. She's like, no problem. Me and my two brothers who have recently joined this whole fucking scandal mm-hmm. will take care of everything for you. Don't worry about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So millions of francs poured in. Millions mm-hmm. from the wealthiest. You said millions of francs rolled in. Uh-huh. I just like to imagine hot dogs <laughs> just pouring in right. from like a giant like loader truck, just mm-hmm. like a mountain of hot dogs, like Patch Adams with the pool of spaghetti, but actually <gasps> but hot, hot dogs. dogs, which would be disgusting. That would be. Oh, it's <laughs> a lot of sweaty meat. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> Oh, the best. Millions of francs poured in. So she used that money to pay off her old creditors Mm -hmm. just as little as possible to, like, keep them busy and keep them out of her hair. Yeah. But she was like, I'm just going to hold on to most of this. Yeah. Again, everyone is in a tizzy about the safe and the wedding and when the money would come flooding out. Mm Mm-hmm. All of the creditors are starting to get real anxious. Mm-hmm. Surprise, surprise. Because they've been throwing money at her for so long, they are now facing bankruptcy. Oof. They got together, compared notes, and collectively lost their fucking shit. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So they all finally fucking realize that they were being played. Mm-hmm. And so I said they bent over and took it up the tailpipe. (laughs) And then they took to the streets to expose Teresa as a fraud. So they met with the prime minister, René Waldeck Rousseau. Mm -hmm. René held a conference with the local newspaper Mm -hmm. and it agreed to publish a bunch of articles about Teresa's deception. Yeah. So he's like, well, I personally can't do anything, Mm -hmm. but I can use my influence to tell everybody about this so that you can take this to the courts and say, hey, we fucking demand that this, that we, you know, they be brought to justice. So the articles accused her of being a criminal and a carn artist and emboldened the broke ass creditors to demand (laughs) (laughs) that the courts bring her to justice and open the damn safe. Okay. So, for several months, Teresa and her lawyers tried to fight this, and again, just lies on top of lies. Mm-hmm. No, we can't do that because of this, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But eventually, their hand was forced, and she had to turn over the keys to the safe. Okay. Okay. May 9th, 1902, was the date set that was set for the great unveiling. Okay. Okay. On May 8th... Teresa and her two brothers fucking disappeared into the wind. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's what I wanted. Oh, yes. Oh, it's so good. So, disappear. The next morning... Hold on. Just her brothers and sister? Not sister. Her brothers and herself? Her brothers and herself. So her sister is... Her dumb sister is still like, la, la, someday my prince will come. (laughs) (laughs) She's a real ditz. Has no idea... No idea what's happening. Poor baby. Oh, God. Bless. Bless her. (laughs) Okay. So, May 8th, they disappear. May 9th, the next morning, the safe was opened. Mm Mm-hmm. Brick. 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 Is it a brick? (laughs) Yes. Yes. 
Inside the safe is a fucking brick and a British halfpenny. (laughs) Not even a cent. Oh, my God. Half a cent. Literally. To her name, she was like, I got a brick. I hope it was the same brick. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I wit. Uh, Just, can you imagine? Can you imagine? So. Wow. Everybody lost their goddamn minds. Mm -hmm. They're like, what the fuck? (laughs) And so, people are losing their shit, and immediately, arrest warrants were issued for Teresa and her brothers. Mm -hmm. And they had fled to Spain. Okay. So they were carousing around Madrid for seven months. They were finally apprehended and returned to Paris in December. So now, here's... This is good. This is a little excerpt from this blog that Mm -hmm. I read this information from. Mm -hmm. Okay, so, this little blurb. Teresa, you will be happy to know, stayed true to form to the last... She refused to admit any wrongdoing. Oh, yeah. Instead, her defense was a tale that had everyone in the courtroom reeling. She conceded that the wealthy American Crawford never existed. The man who really left her his fortune (laughs) was a man... (laughs) Come on! (laughs) Oh, God. Uh, who really left her this fortune was a man named Marshall Bazaine, who was by then infamous, in infamous, <laughs> infamous for having turned over the fortress of Metz to the Germans. Okay. So the four million pounds had actually been Germany's payoff to him for his betrayal. Okay. Okay. So, Teresa said that for some time, she had not been aware of the source of this money. But when she did realize it, realize that it was an enemy bribe, mm-hmm. she felt that in all good conscience, she could not keep such tainted money. So, in a patriotic fervor, she burned every last <laughs> cent of it, which explained why the safe was now empty. <laughs> Come on, girl. (laughs) However, the judge responded to this, but it does not explain the brick, madam. (laughs) Was she like, it's my dad's. It's a family heirloom. Girl, I don't know what she said. (laughs) But all three of them were found guilty. Obviously. They had swindled the people of mm-hmm. France mm-hmm. out of billions billions yeah. of pounds or francs or whatever they were using people all sorts of different things probably mm-hmm. billions of monies yeah <laughs> she lived for 20 i think it was 22 years in the fucking lap of luxury on literally everyone else's dime. Did she die soon after in prison? Or did uh, she? Oh, absolutely not. Okay. okay. So they were all three found guilty. Teresa was sentenced to, would you like to guess how many years she was sentenced to? Oh, uh, 30. 
Oh, no. Five. Yes. Five years? Five years. For billions of dollars? She's sentenced to five years of hard labor. For living. She lived (laughs) the prime of her life eating the best food, living in a multiple gorgeous homes, dressed in the best with the coolest fucking people around. Mm Mm-hmm. Up to her eyeballs in money. That was not hers. And then they were like, you have to break rocks for five years. And she was like, cool, let's do this. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I wish if I had a hot tub time machine. Hot tub time machine. Yeah. yeah. Of all of them. That's what I'm going to choose. Mm-hmm. I'd hop in, mm-hmm. go to the past, and just lie. <laughs> yeah. They'd give me everything. Clearly it fucking works. She lived in Paris with the bougiest, most wealthy people for 20 plus years, just doing whatever the fuck she wanted on everyone's dime. And then they were like, no, no, that's not cool. She didn't have to pay anything back. She paid no money back to anybody. Everyone's just fucking broke because they've given everything they have to her. Did this lead to one of the many French revolutions? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I didn't Google that. But she got five years. I put it again. I typed Romaine. I don't know why I typed Romaine. (laughs) Maybe it's an autocorrect. You say Romaine more than you say Roman. So it autocorrected. But there's no E on the end of Romaine. It's just Roman with an I thrown in. That's me. That's all me. Roman (laughs) got three years. Emile got two years. And also her husband, Frederick, got two years. Even though it was... (laughs) He was... It's kind of up in the air. Like, Mm -hmm. people thought that he was guilty, Mm -hmm. but he was like, I had no idea. It's like, you fucking knew. You knew something was going on. If not, you get two years just for being a dummy. Exactly. Negligent. Yeah. Use that. Mm -hmm. You dumb. You gotta go break rocks, too. So they served their sentences Mm -hmm. and then emigrated to America, Mm -hmm. and she later died in 1918. And that's... That's that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did she try to pull another con? I don't think so. I think she got to America and was like, "Well, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna chill out now." Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So wild. That is the story of Teresa Umber. I love the brick. <laughs> oh my god. I was reading it last night, chuckling to myself, and I got to that part, and I was like, no fucking way. The reoccurring brick. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Good old dad. Taught her everything she knew. She did better, though. She did a hell of a lot better. <laughs> she was like, you know how you always claimed that we were super wealthy in the mm-hmm. past and had noble ancestry? Like, I'm gonna make that shit happen. <laughs> That's a good story. Thank you. That was good. That was a good one. Yeah, yeah. Danny sent me this link and I was reading through it and I was like, oh, oh, <laughs> hell yeah. This story just gets crazier. So, oh, uh, let me oh, the sources. tell you yeah. my sources real quick. The initial thing, the article that I originally got this from mm-hmm. was called, it's from Atlas Obscura, mm-hmm. the website, and it says it's called The Parisian Fraudster Who Complicated Tales with Imaginary Millionaires. And that's by a writer named Sabrina Imbler. Mm-hmm. And then I got a lot of information from 
It is called Strange Company. So okay. it's strangeco.blogspot.com. Okay. And it's called The Great Expectations of Teresa Umber. Okay. And the author, it just says the author from this is, I can't find it. Hold on. It's down here. It was a very, very well read article. Undine. It's U-N-D-I-N-E. Okay. That's just her name on this, like, blog. Yeah. Yeah. Probably her blog. and Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. That's cool. Strangecompany.com. It's dot blogspot.com. Apparently has a bunch of good, weird stuff. Hmm. So. Maybe I'll check it out. Mm-hmm. Also, there is a book. I didn't read the book, but there is a book that I think a lot of this information came from. And that they used as their source. Yes, that they used as their source. And that is called, hold on, La Grande Therese, The Greatest Scandal of the Century. Okay. And that is by a woman named Hillary Sperling. So, those That's are my sources. Cool. I I've, always fucking forget my sources, so. I've never heard of the con lady. Mm-mm. I've heard of a few. Mm-mm. She was a real fucking beach. Did you act? You know, you know how I just rewind a few seconds. How I said I would get in a time machine. Yeah. And then go and con people out of their money because it was easy. Yeah. You heard about the girl just recently who just got sentenced to like four years in prison. For what? She came from Germany, pretended she was a German heiress. Uh Uh-huh. And convinced a bunch of people (gasps) in New York. I think I did. I just barely caught like a snippet of it. Yeah. She's like one of those like nickname Uh names that I'm forgetting right now. Mm -hmm. But it's like socialite scammer. I think think that's what it's called. Oh. Oh, So I don't even need a time machine. I just need to be better at lying. (laughs) And go to another country. You gotta have a real good poker face. Yeah. And a good imagination. Yeah. And a sense of delusion. God, we're Danny, so ridiculous. Danny, Danny just Danny just said um the guy who did the fire festival. Yeah. Ooh, Man. that was yeah. He he punked a whole bunch of rich teenagers who were gonna go see Blink one eighty two. No. <laughs> Nobody <I> like <laughs> Yeah, that's what exactly what it was. Oh, was it Blink one eighty two? Yeah, they were they supposedly the headliners. Really? Yeah, like the, a few days ago. I used to have a poster of them on the back of my door in high school. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I was of the era. I was of my era. Because I had One Direction. Ugh. Up on my wall. Mm-hmm. Still no, do. No, I don't. Oh, that's right. You don't. I've seen your room. You don't. I don't. You I do, do have, have a Harry Styles cut out in your house, though. Which is not mine. I know it's not yours. <laughs> that does not negate the fact that he lives there, and he startles me every time I walk in. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So who are you talking about? Mm. Danny knows. Yeah, and she does. I asked her last night, and she did not I'm tell me. Doing Lilo and Nani Pelikai from Lilo and Stitch. Yay! I was like, I, I was like, wait, is that sounds like yeah. Lilo and I didn't know that they had a last from, name oh. until I started doing research. Oh, that's so cute. Okay, I love it. Oh, I love this movie. Oh, I'm so excited. Hold I on. I do movie. have to adjust, though, because my uh, my romper is riding in my vagina. And <laughs> I'm trying, that out. <laughs> trying to adjust. You yeah, Leave it in. Romper. Leave it in. <laughs> <laughs> now you have to leave it in. <laughs> 
It is my romper. <laughs> Can you hear me from sitting up here? <sighs> so I'm doing Lilo and Stitch. Yay! Not Lilo and Stitch. Lilo and Nani. Lilo and this Nani. Is Brad's got Moxie. Mm-hmm. Stitch is an alien. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> my sources are allmydisney.com. Yes. Wikipedia. An article called Aliens and Family Values by Mari Ness. An article called A Look Inside the Creation of Lilo and Stitch by Clark Spencer. And an article called Eleven Liberating Lilo and Stitch Life Lessons About Women and Identity. Oh! That one's just a nice article. I didn't include a lot from that one, Mm -hmm. but... It sounds like a lovely little read. I wasn't going to mention this, but because of that article, Mm -hmm. it mentions that, like, Lilo and Nani were the kind of the first animated cartoons that actually had, like, different body types. Yeah. And, like, essentially all of the characters in Lilo and Stitch were very diverse. Mm Mm-hmm. And so that was very important because, you know, body positivity, body dysmorphia. Diversity is important. So it's nice. Anyways, I'm going to start now. Lilo and Stitch is a science fiction drama comedy and Disney's 42nd feature film. Mm-hmm. It was the first feature-length film to be set in Hawaii. And it was created because the two dudes who made it, mm-hmm. named was Dean DeBlois and Chris Sanders, promised that in exchange for a gutsier type of movie that wasn't based on some legend or fairy tale that uh-huh. past ones had been, they would film on a smaller budget, a smaller with a smaller crew, and take less time to make it. Oh. So, with that promise that the film would be cheap, the film was greenlit or greenlighted. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they were that? like, oh, this isn't going to cost us much? Perfect. Yeah. Go for it. And it was a... Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was only one of three Disney films to be released between the end of the Disney Renaissance and the beginning of the Disney Revival. Oh. So... Disney Animations was doing real bad. Yeah, yeah. Post. So it's the end of the Renaissance is Tarzan. Uh Uh-huh. And the beginning of the revival is The Princess and the Frog. Oh. And between that, it was Lilo and Stitch, Brother Bear, and Treasure Planet. The other two, which are hot turds. Yeah. I mean. No, it's true. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. So what... It was the only one of those three films to turn a profit. Oh. Because the rest of one, the rest of them, Disney lost money. Disney Animation Studios lost mm-hmm. money. So Lilo and Stitch was made on an $80 million budget. Oh, that's all? <laughs> <laughs> Chump change. But brought in $273.1 million. Wow. So... Very successful. Yeah. Not to mention the, like, Stitch merchandising and stuff that's still around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was a much-needed success for the Disney Animation Department and later used to help justify keeping the studio alive. Damn. But it's still... I would like to yeah. just, like, take a second. Because I knew there was, like, a, a renaissance and a revival. Mm-hmm. It kind of blows my mind to think that Disney has ever had, like, a lull. Yeah. It's bananas to me because they are, they own everything already. I mean, and they're going towards a monopoly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Current days. Yes. America will be owned by Disney. Yeah. Very soon. And they'll reanimate Walt Disney's frozen head. Yes. And he'll be like, 
I'm chill with Nazis. <laughs> because oh, that's no! who he was. Oh, that's right. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. We'll keep him in the freezer. It's fine. Or just accidentally unplug the freezer. Oops. Oops. We don't need him back. Anyways. Okay. So I loved Lilo and Stitch growing up. Mm-hmm. And it remains one of the most quoted movies between me and my sisters. Oh. And the reason I'm doing Lilo and Stitch is because the other day I watched it mm-hmm. and I like still basically knew the whole movie word for word. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so what happened, I was watching it, got it word for word, didn't finish it, went because it was Wednesdays. Mm-hmm. We go to a pub on Wednesdays. Got drunk, came back, and was like, man, I'm fucking doing Lilo. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cool. And so that's what happened. Perfect. So just a short summary mm-hmm. for people who haven't seen the movie. The movie is about a Hawaiian girl that adopts an unusual pet who is actually a notorious extraterrestrial fugitive. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I forgot he was a fugitive. <laughs> I decided to focus today on one central, one of the central themes of the movie, which is Ohana means family. And family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. More specifically, I'm going to focus on the sisterhood of Lilo and Nani. Beautiful. Oh, I love it. Fantastic. And if you haven't seen the movie, it is Asian and Pacific Island Heritage Month. (gasps) It is! So watch it to celebrate. And also, like, I don't know, do something about climate change. That, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Or aliens. Are gonna come get rid of all of us. So Lilo is one of the title characters of the movie franchise, obviously. Lilo and Stitch. And uh, her name literally translates to lost in Hawaiian. Which is kind of symbolic because they were lost and then with Stitch they got stitched back together. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh, that just warms my little heart. Fun fact. Lilo is voiced by Davida Chase, who in the same year that Lilo and Stitch was released played Samara in the ring. Nuh-uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Oh, that's terrifying. No, ma'am. She's an actress for the whole family. Uh, <laughs> anything you're looking for, she can provide. Uh, Lilo is a high-spirited and eccentric native Hawaiian child who lost her parents in a car accident on a rainy day and is being raised by her sister, Nani. She's six years old in the movie, and her hobbies include hula, photography and art, voodoo, Swimming and listening to Elvis. <laughs> Weird. That's what I'm into. <laughs> this is kind of sad, but it's like an online theory thing. So, you know, in the beginning, she feeds Pudge the fish a peanut butter sandwich, mm-hmm. but she can't give a Pudge tuna or it'd be an abomination. Yeah. She was late. She had to go. So, yeah. yeah. All that. Yeah. And she gives him a peanut butter sandwich because she thinks that Pudge controls the weather. Uh-huh. And it's important to her because her. Parents died in a rainy day car accident. Oh, oh, oh. that'll break your fucking heart, won't it? Yeah. Mm. I'm going to get into a lot of in-depth analysis that's unnecessary for Lilo and Stitch. Perfect. Because a child's movie. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Uh, Nani is Lilo's older sister and legal guardian. Tia Kare voices Nani, and she, along with the actor who played David, Mm -hmm. went through the script after it was written and adjusted it so that it would fit the Hawaiian dialect and, like, slang and nuances. So that's why it sounds so authentic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Also, Tia Carrare? Yeah, or something like that. Or, like, Tia Carrare from, like, Wayne's World? I don't know. I I think that's... Is she Hawaiian? I think so. Then it's her. Oh, perfect! (laughs) 
<laughs> she was known enough that uh-huh. it said her name in the articles like I was supposed to know who she was. Okay. I think I'm pretty sure that's the girl that Wayne falls for in Wayne's world. Oh. And she wears like a leather cat suit and plays guitar. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah, right. <laughs> Hot damn. She's incredible. She's great. Yeah. Okay. All right. Dropping some knowledge on your ass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> Camera one. Camera two. Camera one. Camera two. <laughs> I've never seen Wayne's World. Oh, God. I haven't seen a lot of things because I spent all of my time rewatching Lilo and Stitch, The Emperor's New Groove, and Mulan. I can't tell you the number of times Those I've seen Trolls, are... but I've also watched a lot of other movies. Well, we're going to watch Wayne's World. We need to make, somebody please make us a list of all of <laughs> the the pop culture references that, that I or Danny make that Canada then goes, I, I don't know what that is. I've never seen I'm that. I'm sorry. We're going to make, we're going to make a That Broad's Got Moxie research portfolio. And it's going to be because I don't know things. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, back back on track. Um, uh, so Nani's age is not made clear in the movie, but the fact that she was her sister's legal guardian suggests that she's at least 18. Mm. So there's quite the age gap. Mm-hmm. The sisters have a pretty typical relationship. However, there's an, the added pressure of being orphaned. Both of them are. Mm-hmm. Sometimes forget that Nani is. Exactly. She's, she's so much older. She's the she's the grown up figure mm-hmm. that you're like, oh no, she also at one point was a child was a child and yeah. lost her parents too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Nani is very protective of Lilo and is fighting to keep her from entering the foster care system. It's mm. another key element of the the movie. Uh, it seems that Lilo is too young to truly understand their living situation mm-hmm. and like the this what's at stake if Nani can't take care of her. Mm-hmm. And is just focusing on trying to fit in and not feel so alone in the movie because her friends are bitches. That, yeah. They're terrible. Lilo is pretty much ostracized from her friends and Nani, trying to be as support- supportive as possible, gets a dog to keep her company. But the dog, quote, is of, is of <laughs> course Stitch, <laughs> who's actually an alien, but... He sucks in his two middle arms, so he's yeah. only got four. Sucks in his two middle arms, gets rid of his antenna. His antenna, yeah. And his, like, back spikes. That's right. I forgot he had back spikes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he has nothing to do with sisterhood, so we'll move past him. All right, fine. Even though he's cool. I like him. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lilo and Nani are, to me, almost a perfect representation of sisters. Mm-hmm. Because they clearly fight and are frustrated with one another in the movie but they clearly care for each other. And even if they don't understand each other, they're extremely supportive. So mm-hmm. Lilo is a very eccentric young lady. She sure is. And Nani just sort of accepts it. Yeah. Yeah. They don't oversell their love for one another in the movie. So it's not like too buddy, buddy, as we can clearly see in the fight in the beginning. Mm-hmm. When they scream at each other and Nani's like, I wish I had a rabbit instead. Yeah. However... After this fight, they make up and talk it out as most sisters do, and it's one of the best parts of the movie. Well, one of the most powerful parts of the movie is when Nani is reassuring Lilo. The issue with her not fitting in with the other kids is that they don't really know what to say to her Mm -hmm. because she's so weird and also she doesn't have her parents. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
it's a very tender moment. And it's a tender moment that focuses on the potential loneliness of grieving and shows that in all of her anger that Nani has for Lilo, Nani gets her sister. She recognizes that she's lonely and misses her parents and has having trouble making friends. And also understands that Lilo is too young to really understand the situation that they're in. Yeah. And in an attempt to try to make it normal, she gets her dog and, you know, Mm -hmm. she just cares. And it's Mm -hmm. a very love... It's often forgotten in the movie. Mm -hmm. Just how strong Lilo and Nani's bond is. Yeah, and how important it is. Because everyone's focused on Lilo and Stitch. And it's like, but... The, the the ground, you know, mm-hmm. that we're building this off of is the relationship between Nani and Lilo. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So Nani does her best to take care of Lilo, but doesn't make enough money to pay for new toys or child care, which gives you the I- iconic scrump doll. Mm-hmm. Because Lilo made it herself because she wanted to have something to play with. And this restriction actually has allowed Lilo to become more creative and thrive. So throughout the film, the current art project that Lilo is working on is the photography. That's right, yes. And I, in my notes, I put Lilo now past her blue period. Remember that one liner? (laughs) (laughs) Is doing a photography project that dismisses typical beauty standards and subverts the dehumanization that tourists subject her to as a native Hawaiian. Oh gosh, I do remember. It's been a while since I've seen this movie, but. I'm going to have to clearly go watch it again now. Yeah. It's on Netflix. Perfect. I don't have anything to do this afternoon. (laughs) (laughs) And I got the, the analysis of her photography stuff online from a while ago. (gasps) And so I didn't get the source for that. Okay. But I just thought it was very funny because essentially for people who haven't seen the movie, she goes around and takes pictures of like overweight tourists. Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But... She's, like, genuinely in awe of her art that she's doing. Because there's that one point where she's like, my camera's full. Look at the pictures. They're beautiful. Beautiful. (laughs) And Nani, wanting to support her sister, even though she can't really afford toys and childcare and such, is developing these pictures for Mm -hmm, her. mm -hmm. Which she doesn't have to, because it's kind of strange. (laughs) But, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's a good sister. She's like looking through them. She's like, um, why are you taking pictures of these dopey tourists Yeah, in their socks and Birkenstocks? Right. What is with wrong their, with you? With their tan lines. Exactly. <laughs> and in the background of Nani's room, there's a lot of surfing trophies and stuff. Mm-hmm. If you haven't noticed that before. And it's sort of implied by the setting that she was a very successful surfer and probably had to give it up to take care of Lilo, but she was willing to do that because she loves her so much because Ohana means family and family means nobody gets left Mm -hmm. behind or forgotten. And so, you know, she just had to keep Lilo because it's also like Lilo just lost all of her family. Mm -hmm. She didn't, if she lost her sister too. Devastating. Devastating. Like that's the last thing that they have is each other. Right. Yeah. And at the end... Mm-hmm. When it seems that Lilo is going to be taken away, uh-huh. Stitch has also just left. That's right. And so Nani is extra sad. 
Oh, this movie is heartbreaking. Yeah. Gosh. No, it's really, it, I mean, it's beautiful. <laughs> Re- rewatching it with like an adult eye, mm-hmm. you notice the like nuance of the subtleties. Nani's character. Because, I mean, as a young child, I identified wholly with Lilo. Holy. <laughs> you are Lilo. <laughs> <laughs> right down to the. This is my blue face. <laughs> Actually, I'm going to correct you. It's, don't! That's from my blue period! <laughs> I would, I when you're done, you're going to have to give me some more of these quotes that you and your sisters, uh, I, you can finish, but we're going to come back to that. Okay. <laughs> so, Nani gave up her surfing career, implied, to get a full-time job and financially support them. Typically, she brings Lilo and later Stitch with her to work because she can't afford childcare. And when she can't, she ends up leaving Lilo alone. Something that the social worker, Mr. Cobra Bubbles, Dick, strongly disapproves of. Mm-hmm. He turns out fine in the end. Hmm. Sorry, it's been a while since I've read notes. I know. Tell so. me about it. I was like... Uh, uh, uh. Uh, Lilo and Stitch's antics unfortunately interfere with her ability to find and hold a stable job mm-hmm. but nani being a loving sister never guilts lilo or makes her feel bad about it so after she loses her job at the luau place yep lilo asks did you lose your job because of stitching me and nani replies nah the manager's a vampire <laughs> that's right <laughs> he wanted me to join his legion of the undead <laughs> Would Lilo just accept it? Yeah. She's like, cool. Glad she's, you're out of there. She's a six-year-old. She's like, I knew it. That fucking guy. Mm-hmm. Clearly that's, a vampire. That's a direct quote from the movie, actually. Right. Lilo cusses. She's like, like I've never seen- goddamn sailor. I've never seen that fucking guy in the daytime. As Lou, I was only at night. Filthy blood sucking. <laughs> Bastard. Bastard. So- that's Nani taking care of Lilo, but Lilo and her annoying little sister way also looks out for Nani when she does understand what's at stake. So when Nani is having this kind of side romance with David, she never pursues it because she's like, I have to get my life together. Mm-hmm. But Lilo lets him know that Nani likes mm-hmm. him and his fancy hair and his butt. That's right. So that he doesn't, you know, lose. Mm-hmm. The, the will to pursue. Yes, yeah. Her care for her sister is even more pronounced later in the movie when she finally realizes that she's being taken away. Mm-hmm. So she's sitting in the car and she overhears an intense conversation between her sister and Cobra Bubbles, the social worker, where he's, like, yelling at her and tells Nani that Nani needs Lilo more than Lilo needs her. Mm-hmm. And it's a very sad, intense moment. And Lilo realizes what's about to happen and runs away. Like she jumps out of the car and oh, runs into yep. the forest, which then she later gets taken by G- Gantu. And you know, you know, everybody's hope. If you haven't seen this movie, just go watch it. Go watch it before you start listening to me talk about it because there's a lot of context that you need. Yeah, exactly. Now that we're halfway almost through. No, with- we're almost done. <laughs> <laughs> now that Kiana has three sentences left, stop what you're doing. Go watch the movie, come back, rewind about half an hour, yeah. and then you'll be fine. Yeah. Okay. Should we do that now? <laughs> Let's go watch it. Let's okay, pause perfect. This We're going to pause. We're going to go watch the movie and we come back. Yeah. Okay. We're back. <laughs> <laughs>
shit. We never left. No, we didn't. <laughs> so another thing about the movie is that nearly every character that's shown, like even the side characters, are sympathetic and we clearly understand their motives, which makes the relationships all the more powerful and relatable, including the sisterhood mm-hmm. between Nani and Lilo. So it's obvious why Gantu is irritated throughout the whole movie. Yep. It's obvious why Pleakley is caught between constant panic and having the best time of his life. Who's that? Pleakley? Shit. Pleakley is the one-eyed alien. That's right. Who's okay. constantly losing a wig uh-huh. or... Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Boy. Remember I how I remember how I said everybody stop what they're doing and go watch this movie so you'll know what Kian is talking about? <laughs> we I, I should We just reached that point. <laughs> <laughs> I listened through the movie and not really a, a whole lot, but mm-hmm. I don't think they ever used pronouns for Pleakley because he's an alien. Mm-hmm. So it, in my heart of hearts, oh. he's he's not he. Yeah. Shut they up, them. Kiana. They, them. Mm-hmm. Oh, how inclusive. Yeah, but I don't... Don't quote me on that. Don't quote. No quotes, but... Don't quote me. You can think about it. when you go and watch it... Take note. Take note. Notice it. Tell me if they use pronouns. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just a fun little thing. Mm-hmm. And we know why Cobra Bubbles thinks that foster care is a better option. Like, you can see where he's coming from. Mm-hmm. We know why Nani can't always keep her temper because she's stressed and really worked down to the bone and under a lot of pressure. And we know why no one, however sympathetic to Nani, won't hire her. We know why the Huli te- Huli the Hula teacher doesn't say anything to Lilo after she goes on her uh-huh. Pudge the Fish rant. <laughs> uh, we know why Lilo Lilo's peers don't talk to her because she's a weirdo. Mm-hmm. And we know why the councilwoman... Do you know who I'm talking about? Nope. You lost me, the, a councilwoman. The, 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 like, leader of the whole galactic. Oh. Who's also a woman. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but why she let Stitch stay in the end. That's right. Because in the beginning, the reason why they had stitched to... They were going to kill Stitch, I think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Which phaser is, I death. guess I didn't... <laughs> they were going to set phasers to kill Nuts yeah. Done. Set phasers to decimate. Decimate! <laughs> Shit, that's right. Because in the beginning, she asks Stitch, like, sh- show me you have something in you that's not just destruction. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't. Oh, uh-huh. But in the end, he's, like, saying, please, thank you. This mm-hmm. is my family. Mm-hmm. All that. And so she's like, oh, I guess. All right. I guess we shouldn't murder him. <laughs> We're not going to put him down today. Right. And it's, I just, it's a really good movie. Nani, Lilo, and Stitch are the most fully formed characters. Clearly kind, caring, and understanding. This understanding that they have Mm -hmm. has allowed them to extend their family to literal aliens because they understand what it's like to be alone and different. Yeah. And that's one of the central themes of the movie is you get, Ohana is important, Mm -hmm. but you also get to choose the family. Exactly. Not only are Nino and Lal... Nom, nom, nom. Nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Not only are Nino and... <laughs> Come on. Third time's a charm. We could do this. I believe in you. This is, this is like my last sentence. It's so hard. 
Not only are <laughs> Oh my god. You guys don't get to hear the last fucking sentence. That's it. Done. Not only are Nani and Lilo smart, feisty, and passionate women who can hold their own when they're fucking with aliens. Mm-hmm. This is the best movie ever. I don't even... <laughs> I'm having a breakdown. That's it. <laughs> she did it. <laughs> Fucking A. Oh, my God. Killed it. That was uh, like Perfect. the first episode we've ever recorded. Oh, my God. It was in, so hard. Except I did work. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, because the very first episode, I was like, I oh, fucked that up so hard. And, were, and the whole time, I was like, Kiana's on her shit. She knows what she's doing. This episode, no idea what this she's doing. This is my fucking Grace episode. Beautiful. Everybody, please keep subscribing. <laughs> please, please continue listening to us. this breakdown. <laughs> Perfect. Okay, so what are you, some of your favorite quotes from this movie that you use? Because it's, I mean, that's how Danny and I live. Like, yeah. most of the time when we talk to each other, it's in so movie I usu- quotes. So, <laughs> I usually have Brittany here with me. Okay. But one of... <laughs> One of them is when they're adopting Stitch, uh-huh. and Nani is up at the counter. You're just going to have to figure what I'm out. imagining it. Okay. Okay. We need something sturdy. <laughs> <laughs> like a lobster! Lilo, you Lolo, do we have a lobster door? No, we have a dog door. We are getting a dog. <laughs> Which, that comes up a lot for no reason. <laughs> Perfect. Um, let's see, what are the other ones? I just like saying stupid head in the way that Nani says it. Oh my gosh. So when Cobra Bubbles is driving uh-huh. his car <laughs> and almost hits Nani, mm-hmm. she kicks his car. Mm-hmm. Stupid head! <laughs> it's just fun. <laughs> my blue, the blue period uh-huh, one. Uh-huh, the blue period one. Yeah. I'm under a lot of pressure right now. You are, I'm sorry. <laughs> you just I, saw I, me I, have a breakdown. And now and I'm demanding like, quotes from more. you. Dance, monkey, dance. <laughs> Please, I have no more in me. Oh, gosh. All right, fine. Yeah. Just this time. <sighs> We've come to the end. That was good. Oh, yes. what a fun episode this was, everyone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We had a good morning. Mm-hmm. Did a good episode. Yeah. Did we do a good episode? You did a good episode? I think we did a good episode. I think it was good. We got we got a head nod from Danny. She's got to edit it later, so I guess we'll find out when it comes yeah. out if it was good or not. <laughs> She's gonna make me sound real good. She always does. She takes That's out true. all of my ums and so's. <laughs> yeah. For me, she just takes out heavy breathing, <laughs> gulps. I stutter a lot, and then go <laughs> no, and take that out take, and then restart. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah. It's good stuff. So if you would be so kind if you mm-hmm. would like you can follow us and like us and all that good stuff on our social medias mm-hmm. what are our social medias on facebook, facebook and instagram we are at that broad's got moxie mm-hmm. and on twitter we are that no 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 we are no that we're just <laughs> at broad's got at broad's got moxie yes. good heavens also we are working on our patreon stuff mm-hmm. i know we've been we've saying that, that. <laughs> 
<laughs> for a couple weeks now, but for real this time, Danny and I are finally back. We yeah. are gonna like buckle down and like get some shit Started. situated. Yeah, yeah. Please rate, review, and subscribe mm-hmm. to us from wherever you are listening. Mm-hmm. And if you would like to email corrections or you know addendums, encouragement. Oh, we love encouragement. <laughs> yeah, feeling like I need it. Right we now. we need some positive feedback, guys. Yeah, just go ahead and. Shoot us an yeah. email at thatbroadscottmoxie at gmail.com. That's right. Also, Danny texted me yesterday, and she was like, we finally made it to 100 followers on Instagram. <laughs> because we've been bobbing between, like, mm, 85 and 98. Really? It's Yeah. We're oh. just, like, bobbing, bobbing. But we finally, she took a screenshot of it, so we know it's a true story. <laughs> we know it happened. We know it happened. <laughs> That's oh, very fantastic. exciting. Yes, I was so happy about that. Wow. Uh, yeah, so that was very exciting. Ooh. Ooh. Finally. All right. Well, everyone, I think that's it. Yep. We're going to sign off. Yeah. Take care. And, I don't know. Stay moxie. I'm bringing it back. Stay moxie. Dare to be moxie. Do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. Just don't kill people. Yeah. Or be a racist. Or be a racist. We yeah. don't want any of those things. Yeah. Be a decent person. Yeah. Hmm. Solid. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Special thanks to Sage Krenning for the intro music. Thank you to Vinny Navaretta for our beautiful cover artwork. And Danny for being our badass editor. Side effects of listening to this podcast may include excessive moxie, zero tolerance for the patriarchy, sass mouth, excessive sweating, tipsy tittering, desire to stick into the metaphorical man, fear of cats, empowering women, clammy hands and feet, the inability to do math, lack of patience for the bullshit, thirst for knowledge, questioning the system, cravings for bougie chicken, vodka, and justice, and in some cases can cause death on hills.